Beloved Church of God, beginning our service, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so, allow your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all evil and sin that binds us. May in the service be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, ignorance, covetousness, all of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy people. And so stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with the Holy Spirit and allow us to find your holy countenance. I present this service into your divine arms. Guide it with your uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. May the Lord bless you. You may be seated. And so, before we begin to again be clothed in our inheritance, the unchanging epigraph to our, the study of our inheritance in Christ Jesus, Luke chapter 24, verse 44. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me so that we as members of the body of Christ partake with Christ and all that was written about him in scripture, we will continue our study in the direction of our cooperation with the word of God and the Holy Spirit who reveals the truth in our heart through an instruction in faith which we have accepted. What we must do on our end to receive the right to set aside our former way of life in order to be clothed in the new way of life. You put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24. This is the calling of every person who comes to the family of God. To not run into the world, to not preach the gospel to someone, but to adopt his body through the redemption of Christ, to accept this promise. As soon as a person accepts this promise, in the beginning he will not notice this, but he has accepted this by faith, he confesses it, and then this begins to become visible. So he will become a light, and then he will become a true evangelist because from him will come this light until a person 
has died by the death of the Lord Jesus to his nation, the house of his father, in his his carnal life, he cannot be a light. He cannot, a person who is uh, shaken and swayed by all kinds of winds of teachings according to the cunningness of man, he cannot be a light. A person cannot be a light if his faith is based on dreams, on visions, on supernatural phenomenons, on feelings, and so forth. Only that person whose faith is based on the information of the Word of God and who can say firmly, I know in whom I have believed. In Scripture, it does not say that we feel or everywhere it's written, Apostle John writes, we know that we have gone from death to life. He didn't say we feel that we have gone from death to life. Uh, or This vision is open to me. I saw a vision and so forth. No, the Word of God is placed higher than all spiritual manifestations. And as soon as you begin, to uh, to put forth spiritual benestations and in this manner the word of God becomes lower for you less significant it does not have that glory for you and that actuality according to uh, according to testimonies or witnesses about apostles and prophets this this promise this promise that we must accept as our calling it was hidden in fact and kept from past generations because it was the promise that was related to the door of our hope which was called according to the words of apostle peter was called to be revealed in the end times by the power of god through edification in faith and despite this if you closely read the word of god you will see that in genesis in the in the Torah, in the prophecies, in the prophets, in the revelations of John, and in all letters, there is this thought, but it is uh, it is given in this hidden image because the apostles knew fully well that they are not living at the door of this hope, and that's why they had accepted this promise and they had died with this promise, holding tight to it, and therefore Apostle Paul, speaking of this, said that. For them to not attain perfection without us, those that had died previously, but those that will remain toward the end days, he had talked about the perfection of the adoption of our body through the redemption of Christ. This is not talking about the character. This is talking about the acceptance of the promise that makes a person perfect before God. Because God had created man for uh, for an imperishable nature, but a, but the envy, uh, according to the envy of Satan, death had come he created a person as his dwelling as his house as his temple but a person must cooperate with god he must cooperate with him in order to build himself into the spiritual dwelling god could not make him without him therefore adam in the beginning he was carnal at first and now cooperating with God he must become a spiritual man a spiritual man so that God can dwell in him in his body until a person while a person remains carnal neither Christ nor the Holy Spirit can dwell in his body and although people are lied to and told that it is written that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit brothers and sisters amen and everyone yells amen we are the temple of the Holy Spirit what temple of the Holy Spirit if you are swayed by all kinds of things uh, that everything except for the Word of God. This truth is distorted by them. It is twisted. 
It is distorted by prophecies, by all kinds of prophecies. I feel Holy Spirit has told me, the God has revealed to me, the Holy Spirit will never speak anything against the Word, nor will He ever cut it into pieces, apart from the general context. And this promise will be revealed only to those saints who will enter into the category of the good wife having the status of narrow gates in order to have the right to inherit the adoption of their body through the redemption of Christ for the discipleship, for paying the price of the discipleship. Do not try to be teachers. I am also a disciple, I'm also a student, but I'm also at the same time a teacher. I'm uh, simultaneously a prophet and a pastor. Don't try to be made that which you are not. Because each time you try to correct, you are made teachers. It's quite different when we gather in cell groups. It's written for us to edify one another. With what? With spiritual songs, uh, singing our hearts out to the Lord for us to study the Word of God. That Word that is presented to us. And therefore, for the fulfillment of this commandment, as far as we already know, it presents our calling and it contains three actions which are foundational for our calling. This is to set aside, to renew, and to clothe. These are three actions. And answering these faithful questions, to set aside, to renew, and to clothe, will determine whether we turn ourselves into vessels of mercy or vessels of wrath, or rather, will we perfect the salvation that is given to us in the format of a deposit, or will we waste it? this deposit that we must place into circulation so that we can gain it in the fruit of righteousness or will we lose it forever because of which our names would forever be blotted out of the book of life although at one point they were written in there when we had received the seed when we've accepted this word any promise any truth is accepted not in the fruit but in the seed and now from us will depend whether or not we will grow it because cooperating with God, we can cooperate only knowing our role. The role of God is always going to be the role of a helper. We must make the decision between life and death, between blessing and curse. And when we choose the program of life that is going to be comprised in the new man and not in our feelings, because the old man acts through emotions, through feelings, the new man acts through information, through the preached word. But not everyone has accepted the preached word. With sorrow, Isaiah says. And therefore, in a certain format, we have already studied the first two questions and have stopped to study the third question. This is specifically what conditions must we fulfill so that through our already renewed thinking, we could begin the process of clothing ourselves into the powers of our new man who is created by God in Christ Jesus in true righteousness and holiness of truth. With regard to this, we have stopped to study the condition that is contained in the 18th Psalm of David in which the Holy Spirit unveils the conditions thanks to which our prayer of faith can cooperate with the name of God Most High or name of God El Elyon. 
And this condition is comprised of us in our distress upon taking off the old man so that we could call out to the Most High like to our God and proclaim the faith of our heart in the eight names of God that are comprised of who God is for us in Christ Jesus, what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, who we are for God in Christ Jesus. So we are His children. We are the children of God, the heritage of the righteous. We have been born righteous and holy. And this is given this righteousness is given to us in the format of a deposit. And what must we do to inherit all of that which God has done for us in Christ Jesus? As we've noted, this parable is one of the strongest images that portrays the collaboration of our renewed thinking in the image of King David with the name of God Most High in resistance against our carnal mind in the image of King Saul and reigning sin in the face of the old man with his works. Our old man, which is our husband, until he is taken off from the throne and dies, we cannot become the bride of Christ. Apostle Paul directly writes, Brothers, while the husband remains living, you are not free from the law uh, and you cannot become uh, the bride of Christ because the children of God have not been taught when they come to Christ that until your character is, until your character is transformed and it will be transformed when you in the death of the Lord Jesus die to your nation to the house of your father and to the corrupt lusts of your soul which you clothe in the religious toga in good works and evangelism in speaking on tongues in dreams and visions and so forth but you do not clothe it in the word of God we are called to clothe ourselves in the word of God if you abide in my word and my words abide in you all that you may ask for you will receive what must we be clothed in? In visions, in dreams, in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, in anointing and blessings? No, we must be clothed in the Word of God. And when you are clothed in the Word of God, if you love Christ, He says, if you love me, do not say, I love you because your emotions love me. Emotions tomorrow are going to go against you, to challenge you before the, cru before the rooster crows three times. What, upon the fulfillment of the commandment, what are your emotions going to feel? What are your emotions going to feel when a person fulfills the commandment of God, his emotional sphere? I will provide an example. What did Christ feel having fulfilled the commandment? He said, I have the authority to give life and I have the authority to again take it again. This commandment I have received from my Father. Fulfilling the commandment, he went up on the cross and he became sin, right? He took our sin upon him and he became sin. The father turned his face away from him. He was spit on. He was, he was, what did his emotions feel? What, was he inspired or something? No, he, he cried out, Lord, Lord, my father, why have you forsaken me? In Gethsemane, he was fighting with this. He said, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. But 
let not my will be done but yours. This is what our emotions are going to feel. If you truly begin to fulfill the will of God and be clothed in the Word, because the Word is going to literally rip off your skin. As as we said, I have taken off, uh, I've taken off my gar- garments. To take off my garments means to rip the skin off a living animal. Because when animals were brought as a sacrifice, uh, the skin was not taken off living. First he was pierced, and then killed, and then the skin taken off. But here is offered a sacrifice, a dedication to God, in a kind of way as to present yourselves as a holy, living, and pleasing sacrifice to God. So we must uh, be, our old man must be ripped off as we, while as we are living. Our old man is not literally our skin, but he controls our, he governs our body. And upon taking off the old man, a person is going to feel a very, very horrific state. A state of full loneliness, as if he is not needed by anyone, and God, as if God has forgotten him. He is going to end up in this hell, along with Christ, in Christ just as Noah was in the ark. Christ is an image of salvation, and everyone knows this, this is the ark. But Noah did not feel the anger of God in these waters, the waters that carried the ark. These were waves. If in the ocean there are 40-meter, 50-meter waves that are deadly, then these were waves that were specific, like specific like this. The ark was completely covered with water. It was thrown to and fro, and Prophet Isaiah said it with these words. She who is, uh, who is torn to and fro through the waves. This is what we endure when we take off our old man, when we bind him in ourselves, when we abolish the sinful body, when we deprive him of power. And therefore, according to its character, the prayer song of David contains three parts in which the standard of a character of a just prayer is presented, which is inherent to kings, priests, and prophets. And I will always remind us so that in our heart it could be like a uh, it could be sealed on the tablets of our heart. What is the dignity of a king? It is comprised of our thinking renewed by the spirit of our mind, which gives us the authority to rule over the emotional sphere of our body and control it by the bridle as if controlling a war horse. The word uh, prince in scripture means a person who controls the horse, not just who has the horse as a belonging, but specifically a good rider. And the horse acknowledges him as master and loves him and fulfills any of his desires. Those who are horse riders, equestrians, they know. Uh, those who work with this unique animal, they know that if you correctly train it and you bridle it correctly, it falls in love with its rider and it will do everything possible for it. When the rider is near him, he loses all fear. He has no fear. He will go directly where needed, will fall from the, will fall from the, will fall from the cliff. 
This is how this is how a good horse who is bridled is led. He might hear the voice of of multiple war leaders, captains, but he is waiting for when his rider is going to give him the commands that he can go into battle. And he knows that in this battle he may perish, and he doesn't even pay attention to this. This is how much he falls in love with his he falls in love with to his master. So when our emotions are going to fall in love with our with our renewed thinking that is going to control it through the pure lips this is going to be that light for the world this is going to be that dignity of a king the dignity of a priest gives us the right to draw near to god as a warrior of prayer in order to fulfill just intercession for the adoption of our body through the redemption of Christ. For what benefit is it to man, Christ says, if he gains the whole world but uh, loses his soul? Christ paid attention to the goal so that everyone that comes to him can pay attention to his own soul, could save his own soul. A person who saves his soul is never going to correct another. Never. If I correct, I correct only because I am corrected with or I hold this calling and I tremble before God so that I myself correcting someone or teaching others could not remain unsaved. I try everything that I say to you to fulfill, to fulfill indeed myself. The dignity of a prophet gives our new man the right to enter into the Holy of Holies in order to hear the voice of God under the lid of the golden ark in our heart. And for God, it gives the right to hear the voice of our intercession and respond to it. Because in order for a person to hear uh, the voice of God in his heart and for God to hear his voice, the voice of his spirit, it's necessary to build ourselves into the temple of God in which there will be this golden ark, in which there will be this golden censer, because only with it you can enter, having poured in it the coals from the altar of burnt offerings, to pour in it this um, this incense, this which means that we are a fragrance of a Christ. To some, an aroma of life, and to some, an aroma of death. And he says that we... Do not distort or peddle the word of God as many do, but we preach the truth as before God in Christ. And so the first part of this allegory defines the state of David's heart as a warrior of prayer, which is the basis for the just status of his prayer that is inherited to kings, priests, and prophets. So the state of a warrior of prayer will reflect his prayer. The state means that this prayer is in his heart and God can easily read it when he looks into it. But he is waiting for when a person uh, to, begins to proclaim it. Take the words of prayer. Prayer is the word of God that is placed in the heart. This is not uh, my own words about my needs, my supplication, nor a list of my needs, and not a praise to God saying, uh, Lord, save all. Lord, forgive us. 
No, pray, Lord, forgive me if I have specific sin. And you confess your sin. If there is not, do not say, Lord, forgive me, if you don't see a specific sin that you have committed. Thank God that your sin, you've been delivered from your sin, that you've been cleansed. Because in each congregation, you have the opportunity to receive full freedom, full cleansing. And therefore, you can thank God and open your lips with thanksgiving that upon your accounts is pla are placed all the promises of God. We offer to God saying, Lord, I thank you for this promise for my healing. And when you accept it, I accept my healing with thanksgiving then you do not wait for it to occur right now. You must, you must wait for how God is going to heal you. You place yourselves in the state of God, and you know that God can heal you right now. He can heal you uh, through the hands of doctors. And he, again, with this healing, he can allow for you to die in this illness, and you dying must thank God for healing. You must remain faithful. The three young women said to the king, when they were supposed to be thrown into the furnace, they said to the king, know this king, that even if God can save us from this furnace, but even if he doesn't save us from this furnace, we will still not worship you. They did not have knowledge and faith. God did not reveal to them he, that he would save them from this furnace, but they knew that he could. They went uh, towards a faithful death, but God took them and saved them. Wait for this. Wait for mercy from God when you ask him as warriors a prayer. So when you have this kind of state, a state of humility before God, and you will not say, Lord, tomorrow I don't need this today if you don't heal me today, and so forth. But when you thank God for healing, and when you say, Lord, however you please, with whatever method you please, let your will be done. And then the Lord will do this, and all that he will do, he will do for our good or our benefit. The third part in the epic genre illustrates the prayer battle itself that is beyond understanding to the mind of man. And therefore, in a certain format, we have already studied the first part and have stopped to study the second part, which unveils the components of a just prayer, which a warrior of prayer fulfills by using in his prayer the eight names of God Most High. This is written about in Psalms chapter 18, verses 1 through 4. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, my rock of Israel, in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Eight names. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my rock. The Lord is my fortress. The Lord is my deliverer. The Lord is my rock of Israel. The Lord is my shield. 
The Lord is the horn of my salvation, and the Lord is my stronghold. Only repeating these names, proclaiming before God who God is for me in Christ Jesus. This is who He is for me in these eight names. And these eight names place in themselves 50 names, or they contain in themselves 50 names. All of them are united with one another, and they are in a wonderful balance and equilibrium with one another. In a certain format, as far as God and the level of our faith have allowed us, we have already studied in Christ Jesus our portion in the powers of the name of God, uh, four names, the strength, rock, fortress, and deliverer. And we have stopped to study our portion in the name of God, rock of Israel. In Hebrew, the name Rock of Israel points to the nature of the Most High in the character of His words that contain the following dignities. This name contains, again, the following dignities in Hebrew. The tip of a mountain cliff, a stone, stone fence, shelter, a shadow from the stone, victorious, elephant tusk, ivory, from which we are called to build the throne for the Holy Spirit, upon which he must be found, because he will come when we have this throne out of this elephant tusk, out of this ivory overlaid with gold. Then the Holy Spirit will come and will be the Lord and ruler of our life. This is eternal dominion. This is the promise of eternal food and the consolation of peace. So these different definitions are contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel. On one hand, this kind of prayer in which David proclaims his portion in the eight names of God Most High tells us that this prayer is made on the boundaries of a covenant made with God. Because the number eight in Scripture is presented as the number of the covenant. It was on the eighth day that males were circumcised, and this was an eternal covenant on the body of every person, every Israelite of the male gender. On the other hand, this prayer is a strategic teaching that is called to be our calling in the holy garments for our clothing into a warrior of prayer in the dignity of kings, priests, and prophets anointed by the Holy Spirit to establish a kingdom over our earthly body over our emotional sphere. Uh, considering this necessary union of God uh, and man in the clothing of our earthly body in the pearl of incorruption, it becomes faithfully important for us to define God's role and man's role in every sphere of our being. Because, unfortunately, the majority of Christians, due to their ignorance, which is the result of their stiffness, strive to fulfill the role of God, which leads to perdition. Because fulfilling the role of God, a person presents himself as God. He portrays himself as God without realizing it. And for this purpose, uh, to demonstrate or to distinguish our role from God's role, we arrived at the need to study the following questions. What characteristics and categories define our inherited portion in the name of God, Rock of Israel? So, specifically, a rock for Israel, warrior of prayer, because Israel means warrior of prayer, who allows the Holy Spirit to pray with him. Not the Holy Spirit prays for him, but the Holy Spirit prays with him. In order for the Holy Spirit to pray with me, it's necessary for me to pray 
according to the Word of God. So when I pray, I take words of prayer and I begin to pray according to them, the Holy Spirit prays with me. As soon as I begin uh, to create the words myself on some kind of list of paper, the Holy Spirit will not pray with me, not for me, not with me, and He will not inspire this prayer. Furthermore, what purpose in the realization of our salvation, the foundation of which lies the adoption of our body through the redemption of Christ, is our inherited portion in the name of God, Rock of Israel, intended to fulfill? What price is necessary to pay to give God the basis to be our Rock of Israel and the realization of the salvation of our soul, given to us in the seed of the kingdom of heaven in the format of a deposit? And by what results can we define that God is truly our Rock of Israel in the realization of our salvation? Uh, and so only having grown the tree of life in the Eden of our heart, in the fruit of the meek tongue, as it is written, a meek tongue is a tree of life, Proverbs 15.4. You see here, a meek tongue is the tree of life. This is an expression of the tree of life. There is a state of the tree of life, the fruit of righteousness. And when this state is expressed in prayer by meek lips, by bridled lips, bridled lips that speak the words of God, then you have a meek tongue. And this you have grown into the tree of life. And then this person becomes a partaker of a good wife, thanks to which in his heart reigns the grace of God. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5.21 So practically here it tells us that grace might reign in our heart only when it becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit, only when all the belongings of the temple are brought in there, only when we uh, build ourselves in each of the belongings, when we build ourselves in the temple of the Holy Spirit, when we will have the tree of life, when we will have meek lips, only then will grace reign. But before this, we can't even uh, talk about grace. There will be the law there, the law that is going to discover sin and give power to sin. And therefore, you will say, I am under grace, we are under grace. Do not deceive yourselves. You will be found under grace, under the kingdom of Arathian grace, when you build yourselves into the spiritual dwelling, when you place the deposit of your salvation into circulation in the death of the Lord Jesus, and you die to your nation, to the house of your father, and to your corrupt desires. And you stop viewing your corrupt desires or clothing them in religious garments of good works or evangelism and so forth. And we will remember that only a person, again I repeat, only a person who desires to hear the word of God, looks into this word, lives by this word, and dwells in this word, and the word of God dwells in him, only this person will be able to withstand in battle against the ancient snake and avoid the seducing snares of devil in order to inherit the salvation of his body through the redemption of Christ. In a certain format, we have already studied the essence of the first two questions and have stopped to study the third question, tied to the condition, giving the Holy Spirit the basis to lead us into the inheritance of the portion of the name of God, Rock of Israel. And the essence of the third question is comprised of what price is necessary or what conditions are necessary to fulfill to give God the basis to be our rock of Israel. Three components of the price giving God the basis to be our rock were already the subject of our study and we turned to studying the fourth component, a very 
significant and meaningful component. Again, that gives God the basis to be our rock. It is comprised of our decision to hear God and walk in His ways, or to listen to God and walk in His ways. How do we listen to God? We can listen to God only through the preached word, the preached word which He has entrusted. Uh, and we must understand that despite the fact that before us sits the same person who is clothed uh, in the same weariness, but in his lips is held the Word of God. And despite this, that this Word of God does not bring you to horror, it's not supposed to bring you into horror. You must act toward it or act toward Him toward it as a great state that can destroy the whole universe in the blink of an eye. You must act towards it in this manner, with honor, preparing your heart to hearing the Word of God. Because only upon hearing the Word of God are we going to be able to walk in His ways. We can't walk in His ways if we are not going to receive instruction in faith. Read however much you want. This is great and wonderful. Well, then, why was a church created? And why did God place establish His person there in order to reveal this word? Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. I would soon subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their adversaries. The haters of the Lord would pretend submission to them, but their fate would endure forever. He would have fed them also with the finest of wheat, and with honey from the rock I would have satisfied you. And this God had this prophetic word God had spoken through the prophet by the name David, King David. He was the first priest, prophet, and king. These are three these were three kings in Israel that were simultaneously kings, priests, and prophets Moses, Samuel, and David. Three people. All of the rest of kings were just kings, but they were not priests. And therefore, when one of his descendants, having not been a priest, attempted to enter King uh, King Josiah into the t into the sanctuary, immediately God had caused leprosy upon him. He was separated from the house of God and from his own house. He had lived in a separate house of the defiled, and he had died in this way. For what? Because he had the audacity to enter, but David did enter. He had the garments of the priest. He had carried it in battle with him, and when it was necessary to ask something of God, he said, bring me the garments. He was clothed in it and asked God, uh, and God answered him. He said, Lord, I want to see you as I saw you in the sanctuary. And it was specifically the Lord Jesus Christ that came as king, priest, and prophet from the lineage of David. And he had said, if David was so, and you had allowed him, why don't you allow me? I am his son. And therefore, we have noted that the saturation with honey from the rock as a component of our reward acquires its significance and its legitimacy only in the composition of other components given in this scripture, which are dissolved in each other, emanate from each other, and confirm the truth of each other. The reward from God contained in His sworn promises 
representing in this case the inheritance of our portion in the name of God, Rock of Israel, it is called to motivate us and ignite our desire to use all of our strengths and capabilities toward fulfilling this commandment of God to hear, to listen to God and walk in His ways. In this place of scripture in which God addresses His people for the fulfillment of His will expressed in two decrees tied with one another is presented the reward of God in six components. God has promised to soon subdue our enemies. God would turn His hand against our adversaries. The haters of the Lord would pretend submission to us. Our fate would endure forever. God has promised to feed us with the finest of wheat. So, meaning with the oil from this wheat, because wheat, if you begin to uh, take the components out of it, it is specifically oil that will flow out of it, uh, oil from wheat. So, bread has its own oil, has this. And God has taken responsibility upon himself for satisfying us with honey from the rock. And, and we have already studied this, six, these six rewards, and we have stopped to study the commandments that are called to open for us a free entrance into a portion that is pure, unblemished, and is the unsearchable inheritance of Christ contained in the name of God, Rock of Israel. And it is uh, we will look at it in two components that were addressed to us, to listen to God, so that we can have the opportunity and the ability to walk in His ways. The verb listen has two meanings. It is to be prepared to hear and to immediately obey what is heard. Therefore, listening to God means making your ear capable of hearing God and obeying His words in the preached word of His messengers, which means to cooperate your faith with the faith of God. Basically, hearing the preached word in our heart is the root system in our heart that is called to grow the tree of life or to grow in our heart the tree of life offering its fruit 12 times and offering its fruit each month in the leaves of the trees for the healing of the nations it is specifically the words that we hear that are called to become the root system of this tree of life in our heart in these 12 foundations of the walls of the New Jerusalem, and the first foundation upon which all of the others are founded on is the name of the Apostle Simon Peter. The name Simon means to hear. Uh, to hear God in the words of His messengers necessary to accept a revelation of our reward in the joy of our hearts or as our inheritance, which will give us the opportunity to incline our hearts to the fulfillment of the statutes of God contained in the commandments of God. Your testimonies or revelations I have taken as a heritage forever, for they are the rejoicing of my heart. I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes forever, to the very end. I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. Psalms chapter 119, verses 111 through 113. To hate human double-mindedness and to love the law of God is possible only in their carriers, because both human double-mindedness and the law of God are a certain kind of program that by themselves, without a programmable device, the carrier of which is the human heart, can neither express nor manifest themselves. And therefore, to be the carrier or the bearer of these programs, mutually exclusive and opposing each other, is the choice of a person from which either his salvation or his death will depend. In Scripture, the property or character enclosed in the word faith is prescribed in prayer as a commandment 
as a command, as an unswerving prescription, and as an urgent military order. Have the faith of God is taken from military lexicon, the word have. This doesn't just mean, this isn't just an offer, but this is a, a command. The definitions of, of the essence of the word faith uh, means or non-fulfillment of this is resistance against God and it is incriminated and viewed by scripture as disobedience to the will of God have faith in God for surely I say to you whoever says to this mountain be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that those things he says will be done he will have whatever he says Mark 11 23 sometimes people take this and say oh here is written um, they begin to say what you want and not what God wants God does not want you to go walk on water right now I knew these kind of people they said whatever I say will happen they forbid one brother had called me one time and he told me what shall I do I have accepted by faith and my child in the family died uh, the wife was Christian the man was uh, the husband was not and he forbid forbid the child to be buried and he was saying I have faith we're gonna pray he called the whole church first day second day third day and finally on the fourth day uh, the possessed husband he came out and said um, enough we need to bury him and he said I have suffered for Christ I say no this you have suffered for your foolishness don't attribute Christ to this you did not receive a revelation that God would resurrect and why did you begin to pray about this the faith of God is the revelation in the heart about what that which God says you will come and he will stand but when I receive this kind of faith then I pray. But if you do not receive this kind of faith, then you simply pray for God to comfort the hearts of the relatives and speak consolation unto them. Tell them what death is for the world and what death is for us, and so forth. And therefore, we have noted that we can and are called to eliminate by faith and plunge into the abyss of the great waters of oblivion only those mountains that on the path of fulfilling the will of God stand exclusively within the boundaries of a personal responsibility. We can't cast, uh, we can't remove the mountains that are on the path of someone else, but only those that are on our path upon fulfilling the will of God. The phrase, have faith in God, has a broad semantic and is practically taken as we talked about from military vocabulary therefore it sounds not like a proposal not like advice and not as an alternative to anything but as a military order as a command of the author and perfecter of God's faith by virtue of which the command to have the faith of God is raised to the rank of an immutable and unchanging commandment without which it is impossible to please God therefore this commandment should be perceived by us as an extreme necessity as written but without faith it is impossible to please him for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him Hebrews 11:6. the need to trust God in his words and seek God both in his word and in our spirit in which we have sealed his word on the one hand is the cooperation of our faith with the faith of God and on the other it is pleasing to God and for this purpose I would like to remind and draw our attention to some definitions related both to the purpose of the faith of God and to the purpose of our faith which is called to work with the faith of God 
This is the purpose, possibilities, and prospects of the faith of God, and the purpose, possibilities, and prospects of our faith. Uh, we looked at these two disciplines during our previous service. Today, we will focus our attention on the conditions necessary for listening to and hearing God, which are comprised of the state of a human heart before God, in which God could listen to man, and man could listen to God. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord uh, respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. Genesis 4, 3-5 The correct state of heart upon offering a sacrifice in the subject of our worship is defined not as the cooperation with the fit, of the faith of God with our faith, but the cooperation of our faith with the faith of God. What is the difference in this? When my faith cooperates with the faith of God, then my faith is uh, a soldier, and the faith of God is the generalismus. He is the captain, the perfecter of my faith. But when the faith of God will cooperate with my faith, then this means that the faith of God will become a soldier, and I will become the general, generalismus. Do you understand here the difference? There is a difference. That our the state of our heart must cooperate. So our faith must cooperate with the faith of God, not the faith of God with our faith. Because sometimes people bind their will to God, uh, saying that this is their will. They portray their own will. But they say to God, this is your will, but in fact, this is not so. Test what is pleasing to God and therein pray. The faith of man is his sovereign right to choose and accept as a weapon that image of thinking which he, on the pedestal of priorities, places as the highest. And that which takes up the highest position in our thinking becomes our goal, our proclamation, our faith, and our obedience, and consequently, our deity. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Hebrews 4, 2. Thus, the cooperation of our faith with the faith of God is comprised of dissolving with our faith the preached word of the messengers of God and transforming the life energy of words in our life. We're going to look how to dissolve this faith. Based on the above, the definition of our walk in the faith of God, we will look at in seven components. I will simply remind you of them. Our faith cooperates with the faith of God and overcomes the world. Our faith is capable of knowing God in His Word. To cooperate with the faith of God is a noble risk. Walking in the faith of God is walking in the unknown. Acceptable faith is the immediate reaction to God's voice. To walk in the faith of God is to follow the voice of God. And cooperation with the faith of God produces the fruit of our spirit. So these seven aspects I would like to study because here we will look at not what our faith is and the faith of God is, 
but how they cooperate to one another, how they are able to work together. Uh, we will turn to the above criteria that defines our walk in the faith of God, which allows us to examine and judge ourselves in what boundaries and at what level of dedication our faith cooperates with the faith of God. As written, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you are disqualified? 2 Corinthians 13, 5. So, for Jesus Christ to be in us, it's written, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. This mean, this is what it means to build ourselves in the temple of God. But the, if this does not yet happen, then we will study how the faith of God works, because it works in the temple, not outside of it. It works in the temple of God. And therefore, to examine and define the level of our location in the faith of God, we need criteria that define the level of dedication to the cooperation of our faith with the faith of God in the level of our obedience to the words of God in the preached word of his messengers the cooperation of our faith with the faith of God is the fulfillment of our role giving God the basis to fulfill his role and therefore upon cooperation with every truth God took the role of helper upon himself whereas he gave us the role to choose either the program of eternal life or the program of eternal death and if we select the program of eternal life in the dignity of the preached reigning teaching of Christ that is called to adopt our body through the redemption of Christ God immediately proceeds to the fulfillment of his role and becomes our helper in bringing his program into fulfillment his program that again is found in our heart I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death blessing and cursing therefore choose life that both you and your descendants may live that you may love the Lord your God again you and your my, your descendants you and your household may live that you and your descendants may live that you may love the Lord your God that you may obey his voice and that you may cling to him for he is your life and the length of your days and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to Abraham Isaac and Jacob to give them before we continue to study the conditions that define our walk in the faith of God I will offer a short commentary on one of the places of scripture that is often accepted and is given as a criterion that defines our walk in the faith of God but in fact is not so Mark chapter 16 verses 17 through 18 and these signs will follow those who believe the word uh, those who believe, meaning those who have established, those who have been affirmed in their faith, those who have affirmed the covenant, because they have not just believed, there's a difference between the word having believed and in my name, uh, it says, they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. In fact, the signs, which are called to accompany a believer, are not a definition of our walk in the faith of God that is expressed in the demonstration of faithfulness, holiness, and truth, but one of the results that accompany our walk in the faith of God comprised the demonstration of power expressed in the release and exercise of gifts of the Holy Spirit. So, exercise of the gifts of the Holy Spirit must become a result. 
Here it talks about the results, but people, when they read this description, they interpret it. They interpret it uh, not as they demonstrate faithfulness to God in the fulfillment of the commandment. They do not demonstrate this faithfulness. They do not know what the commandment is. They do not know the statutes. Each commandment has a statutes, a sequence for the fulfillment of its order. They are not told how to fulfill the commandment of the Lord. They simply want to feel the presence of God. Uh, they want to feel the, sh uh, the goosebumps and they want to see healing. They want to raise the dead to cast out the demons. They don't have the calling to adopt their body through the redemption of Christ. But when we do have this promise of the adoption of our body through the redemption of Christ, and we know our calling, then this will be the simply the result of it. And if the definition of our walk in the faith of God are called to bring a benefit first and foremost for us, then the exercise of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is called to bring a benefit for those who surround us, given that gifts are given for the edification of the church. So here it says that the, uh, these will, these signs will follow those who believe. This is not for us. For us, we have something completely different. For us, we must have a walk in faith. It is called to bring a benefit to us. But for our surroundings, to be a light to the world, when you have this tree of life and the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations, then this will be the result. But people don't see. They are not the tree of life. Their lips are not meek. And therefore, uh, they contend. They contend uh, to these healings. They pray. And, you know, on the end days, uh, many do receive this. But this healing does not come from God. Why? Because Satan can also heal. Satan cannot, uh, cannot forge the character of Christ, but he can forge the gifts of the Holy Spirit easily. Uh, witches, they also heal. Uh, and you can heal uh, according to the inspiration of an unclean spirit how will you prove that you heal people under the direction of the Holy Spirit if you have not died to your nation the house of your father and you, if you have not died to the corrupt lusts of your soul if you not have built your body into the temple of the Holy Spirit if you are incapable of hearing the voice of God in your spirit if you do not know the commandments of God what is the reigning teaching of Jesus Christ if you do not know how the truth of the cross of Christ separates from sin from the manufacture of sin and the blood of Christ uh, cleanses sin the blood of Christ cleanses sin only then when there is the truth about the cross the truth about the cross that separates you from the manufacture of sin because it is the cross that is the key to the treasures that are contained in the blood of Christ if you have not been explained how to carry your cross and how to cooperate uh, the taking up of your cross with the cross of Christ then obviously all of the spiritual manifestations phenomena that occur through you you will need to place in doubt and of course, we need uh, the, uh, the we need the exercise of the offering of the fruit of our spirit, as well as the exercise of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We need to um, offer fruit. Fruit is not gifts. Gifts are given and can be given to a person who does not have fruit. Paul says, "You do not have any lack in gifts, but you are carnal. You do not have any fruit." 
you do not have fruit. God has given to infants the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He has entrusted it to them, and they decided that this has made them spiritual. These are spiritual gifts, but you are carnal. You are speaking in tongues. Yes, this is a spiritual manifestation, but you are carnal. You are fleshly. Because if I speak in tongues, angelic tongue, but I have not love, then this is nothing. If I didn't, if I give up my body uh, to be martyred, but I have not love, there is no benefit for any of this. You can gain the whole world. Well, Christ said, okay, you will get, gain the whole world. But then what? You will go for to hell for all of eternity. For what Christ have you gained the whole world? Understand this, that a person cannot gain these people for Christ if he himself is not a light, because they're going to follow him, right? But Christ said, leave them. Leave them. They're blind. They're going to follow blind leaders. The those that see, they will they will follow the one who who sees. However, on the pedestal of priority, there is a practice of walking in the faith of God, expressing the cooperation of our faith with the faith of God in the sphere of faithfulness, holiness, and truth is called to be primary. For what profit is it to man that if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Matthew 16, 26. Oftentimes, the reason for the sphere in which we have need for healing is due to either inherited sin or sin that was acquired due to our ignorance or our ambitions. And then, healing through the exercise of gifts of the Holy Spirit could be an anesthetic that dulls pain, thereby making it possible for the disease to then develop and progress, leading to death. Walking in the faith of God is true medicine, which through cooperation with the crucifixion of Christ is called to free us from the reason for illness, which is reigning sin in our body. Whereas the gifts of the Holy Spirit are called to free us not from the sphere of sin, but the result of sin expressed in all kinds of deadly diseases. In their time, those who on the pedestal of priorities place the measure of their faith and the level of their spiritual maturity dependent on the gifts of the Holy Spirit and in first place in relation to offering God fruit of faithfulness and holiness of truth, they fell as bones in the wilderness and did not wait for the fulfillment of the promises given to them by God. And now let's turn to the above definition of our walk in the faith of God and remember that first the world which our faith is called to overcome is the enemy that is presented in the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life inherited by us from the vain life of our fathers or the sinful life of our fathers 1 John chapter 2 verses 15 through 17 do not love the world nor the things in the world if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. He who fulfills the will of God. This is a person who, when the lusts begin to rise in him, when they begin to uh, require that you feed them, but you uh, separate yourself from it. You do not fulfill their their commands, but you fulfill the will of God. You fulfill the will of God. It dwells forever. And the lusts are a temporary, um, temporary expression. Second, the world as our enemies presented on all kinds of ideas, views, political trends, the cultivation of culture, scientific achievements, and all kinds of entertainment programs, 
aimed at arousing, releasing, and satisfying the corrupt lusts living in a person. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in Him who is the head of all principality and power. Colossians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy, through empty deceit. Because the world can be led by this, those who are uh, those who are not born of God, they finish religious institutions and they achieve bachelor degrees, um, doctorate degrees. They come to the church, they become leaders, and they begin to teach. And of course, they are going to teach. And if these people will will come and they begin to say they're going to uh, to to take divine revelations they're going to take uh, the thoughts of men people have fear fear is simply the he who is fearful is not perfect in love if you fear vaccines you are not perfect in love because you do not understand what a vaccine is. A vaccine is a means that has been created from means and components that God has created. We've already talked about it. It's not Satan that gives these components, created these components. All the components with which medicine is made are, in fact, uh, divine. All of the food that we eat is, in fact, divine. The clothes that we the houses that we build, all of this is created from the earth, which God has created. This is the Word of God. This is the secondary Word of God, second-hand Word of God. Therefore, Satan despises both the primary Word of God and the second-hand Word of God. Remember this. And therefore, doctors uh, who are not immunologists are going to say, oh, yes, this is dangerous, or you can't have this. Uh, I don't recommend this to you, and so forth. Be very careful. It's better to say, Lord, what shall we do? And God will tell you what to do through your pastor. He will tell you. Because those people who had said something else, they had resisted me. Not just me, they resisted God. But they did not understand this. They acted as the wicked, but they did not understand this. And therefore this wickedness was not imputed to them as sin unto death. I'm talking about for God to destroy them uh, from this because they thought that they wanted to to simply just help me. Pastor, you are uh, you are lost. You are watching Channel 1 Russian news and as if they're watching something else. What kind of programs are you all watching from? They walk around scared. You can't do this. You can't do that. Praise God that you have a kind of pastor that receives revelations from God and not from Channel 1 News. And and then, therefore, do not sin. Third, the world as our enemy is presented in trials and afflictions that come from the source of the vain life of our fathers, as well as its hostile position towards us. On one hand, through the cooperation of our faith with the faith of God in the sphere of the cross of Christ, the world dies to us and loses its ability to excite and release in us the genetic program of sin. And on the other hand, we die to the world. 
It is specifically this that occurs to the truth of the cross of Christ. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world, Galatians 6.14. You see what the truth about the cross of Christ does. You, with Christ, die on the cross. And when you die, the world dies to you and you to the world. You are crucified. And that fact that you live in the flesh, yes, you will live according to the glory of God. Now you will live in the resurrection of Christ. Demonstrating obedience and our faith to the faith of God in the sphere of our crucifixion with Christ, we in doing so nail on the cross our old beginning which is the carrier of the interests of the world expressed in our lusts where they die down and lose over us their power and ability to rule over us. And in this way, we get rid of our past instincts and our past dependence on the interests of the world. This gives Christ the legal basis to dwell in our hearts. For I, through the law, died to the law that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Galatians 2, 19-20. You see here, he cooperates with the cross of Christ. I have uh, crucified with Christ. Not having our cross, we cannot be crucified with Christ. He says, he who follows me but does not carry his cross, he cannot be my disciple. I have been crucified. The next criteria that defines our walk in the faith of God is comprised of the ability of our faith to know God and his word through the acceptance of the Holy Spirit in our heart. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things which have been freely given to us by God. 1 Corinthians 2.12 This Apostle Paul spoke of himself and about uh, about his uh, colleagues so that those believers can, can know that that which they have accepted, they have accepted not from the world but from the Spirit of God so that they may know what has been freely given to them by God. This is what Paul is talking about here. Thanks to the acceptance of the Holy Spirit and the submission of our independent I to Him, we become capable of seeing and understanding in our heart the purpose of truth placed in our heart in its true richness expressed in our true inheritance. On one hand, inheritance of the faith of God is comprised of the ability to live in God, live by God, and live for God. On the other hand, inheritance of the faith of God is comprised of the ability to give a legal basis to the Holy Spirit to live in us and expand in us, demonstrating His atmosphere of holiness in which we could know God and God could know us. The atmosphere of holiness in our heart is the absolute defense from every enemy. In this atmosphere, at the time appointed by God, are called to be fulfilled all His promises that are focused on the adoption of our body through the redemption of Christ. The next criteria that defines the cooperation of our faith with the faith of God is, ex- is expressed in a noble risk. A noble risk is comprised of the ability to expose ourselves to mortal danger for the sake of a noble goal expressed in the fulfillment of the will of God, pursuing our salvation from sin. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and He will deliver us from your hand, O King. But if not, let it be known to you, O King, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. You see, 
this noble risk. This is a noble risk to expose ourselves to danger. We don't know when we sing, and therefore I go and I do not know and I do not strive to know. Yes, it's good to sing these words, but indeed, can we demonstrate this? We don't want to go in the unknown. We want to know where we're going. But God said, I will walk you through unknown ways. Only in this state, uh, this unknownness uh, can your faithfulness be demonstrated. Go gather all the Jews, Mordecai said, who are present in Shushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise. And so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. Esther chapter 4 verse 16. She went to death. She did not know that the king would stretch out his golden scepter toward her. She had prepared herself. This was a noble risk. She looked at the faith of God and she said, For me, to die is better than to remain on the throne and to see how my people are going to, to be destroyed. She had everything. And she threw it all. At the, she put it all at the feet of the Lord, millions. Whereas people at this time had so many riches, kings had so many riches that people did not, could not even dream about today. But we know the result. God had shown it. Another place of scripture, 1 Thessalonians 2.2. 2. But even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. When Apostle Paul went out to speak, he was in mortal danger. We have risked. This was a noble risk. We had boldness. This is risk to preach to you uh, the good news of God when at this time the Jews had gathered against Paul and the leaders, the Gentile leaders had gathered against him and they were ready and prepared to kill him. They had fasted in order to kill him. They had sworn to kill him. And then in, among them, the number of those who uh, sworn, there was the husband of his sister. And then the sister of Paul sent her son Go, go to him and say that the Jews, they, they want you to be taken out. And when you are taken out, so that you can say something, a word, they want for you to say something to them. Do not go to them. Run away from them because they want to kill you. Uh, they have sworn to do this. And this was a noble risk. And this is what it what the faith, the cooperation of our faith with the faith of God is comprised of. This is walking along unknown ways and taking upon a noble risk. We don't know what will be, but we rely on the will of God. If God will deliver us from, from death, He will deliver us. If not, I will still continue to fulfill the will of God. The next criteria according to which we can define our walk and dwelling in the faith of God is expressed in the cooperation of our faith with the faith of God in the sphere of the unknown. By faith, Abraham obeyed. Again, we talked about a noble risk. Uh, it is tied to this unknownness and now separately this uh, unknown the sphere of the unknown by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance and he went out not knowing where he was going you see he did not know where he was going he was never in this country or this land he had never been there he did not know whether this was good or bad 
he lived in a wonderful country, wonderful land. This is the most, uh, this is a great civilization. He left the civilization where the civilization did not exist. Exodus 13:21, and the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so as to go by day and night. They did not know where to go. Faith leads us according to unknown ways. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. So, this is an unknown way. You see, God is going to lead us according to this unknown path. Religious people never walk, never go through unknown ways. They walk only along known ways. And see, now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there. Acts 20:22. 20, he went into the sphere of the unknown. The next criteria according to which we can define our walk and dwelling in the faith of God is comprised of our longing and thirst for hearing the words of God that is comprised in our readiness and ability to immediately relax to the voice of God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. It was not yet formed. It was in a dissolved state, uh, liquid minerals. Water is liquid minerals, and the earth was, was comprised of it. And darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. So, in the readiness to immediately react to the voice of God. So, the Holy Spirit had demonstrated this readiness, that He is ready, that as soon as God will speak, He will fulfill. As soon as God sees this kind of readiness, He begins to speak, and you begin to then fulfill. If there is no readiness to fulfill, the voice of God you will not will not be heard by you. If you want to hear the voice of God in your spirit, you must have this readiness, this readiness to fulfill this this word, to walk through unknown ways and to go upon, to go and take upon this noble risk. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Luke 21.36 So, to be vigilant, to watch, uh, and to pray always is to have this desire because prayer is the desire that prompts us to express these words. When we pray, we express our desire. We express our longing and thirst. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. First Peter 4, 7. There are plenty of places of Scripture, uh, but this specifically uh, relates to this criteria, the readiness and the ability to immediately react to the voice of God, to be ready. The next criteria, according to which we can define our walk and dwelling in the faith of God, is expressed in our readiness and ability to follow the voice of God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Romans 8.14 If a person does not distinguish the voice of the Spirit of God from the voice of his flesh and other voices, he cannot be led by the Holy Spirit. And consequently, this person will resist the Holy Spirit, thinking that he is resisting delusion and heresies. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the doorkeeper is the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus is the door, 
the doorkeeper opens, the Holy Spirit opens, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but they will flee from him. They do not know the voice of strangers. John 10, 2-5 If a person does not use the time that God has established for him to understand how to reject evil and choose good, then despite his genuine desire to serve God, he will, father, he will follow other voices against God for which he will be given over to death. Curds and honey he shall eat, that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 15 This is us talking about the Jesus Christ, and this is also talking uh, talking about us. Devil, a skillful strategist in the sphere of delusion, knows that if he is successful in convincing a person of the benefits of one form of food from another that is necessary for following the voice of God, then he will hold complete victory. Because in this manner, a person, not understanding balance nor in equilibrium, falls into the preference of delusion over truth. And the children of Israel who were present kept the Passover were at that time in the Feast of Unleavened Bread for seven days. There had been no Passover kept in Israel like that since the days of Samuel the prophet. None of the kings of Israel had kept such a Passover as Josiah kept. After all this that Josiah had done in the house of God, Nehau, king of Egypt, came to fight against Carchemish by the Euphrates, and Josiah went out against him. But he sent messengers to him, saying, What have I to do with you, king of Judah? I have not come against you this day, but again the house with which I have war, for God commanded me to make haste. Refrain from meddling with God, who is with me lest he destroy you. Nevertheless, Josiah would not turn his face from him, but disguised himself that he might fight with him, and he did not heed the words of Nico from the mouth of God. So he came to fight in the valley of Megiddo. And the archer shot King Josiah, and the king said to his servants, Take me away, for I am severely wounded. His servants therefore took him out of the chariot and put him in the second chariot that he had. And all Judah and Jerusalem mourned for Josiah. Take a look. A person spoke to God, but he did not the voice of God. God heard him, but he could not hear God. God spoke to him through Pharaoh Nico, but he did not understand. He couldn't hear. He couldn't distinguish the voice of God from other voices. Karchemish is a city in the upper reaches of the Euphrates, the capital of one of the most powerful tribes of the Hittites, the descendants of Ham. And he says, I am going there. God is sending me there to go to war so that I can destroy destroy these descendants of Ham. I am not going to fight with you, but I am going to go fight with the descendants of Ham. I am not fighting. God has sent me. Do not resist God who has sent me. But he did not hear the words of Nico from the face of God. Therefore, a true warrior of prayer, he distinguishes the voice of God from other voices, and the Lord is able to speak through whomever when he finds it necessary. He will separate this word for you. You are going to look in the, at the program of time, and then in a certain passage, God will take it and he will answer it to you in a spiritual sense. It is specifically meant for something else, but God will take these words and you will understand that this is for you. The next criteria, according to which we can define our walk and dwelling in the faith of God, is expressed in our ability to offer the fruit of the Spirit which we have grown. 
But he who received seed on the good ground is he who hears the word understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Matthew 13, 23. The good soil of the heart defines our walk in the faith of God. The evil soil of the heart defines our walk in the flesh. The characteristics of such soils are well presented in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 23. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery. Sorcery is when you do not submit to the word of the man of God, but you say, well, I don't agree with this. I don't understand it this way. This is sorcery. Samuel had said this uh, when Saul said, I thought that this would be better. Samuel said sorcery, so disobedience to the word of God is the same as sorcery and witchcraft. These were the words of Samuel, the words of, he didn't acknowledge the words of Samuel. He acknowledged others' words, but not Samuel's. Uh, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in the time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And now, uh, the characteristic of another kind of uh, soil. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, long-suffering, waiting to receive from God what He has given, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. The reason why we focus so much attention and time on the listening to God and the preached words to us is because the following component to walk in the ways of God will be the direct result of us listening to God. Therefore, when studying the ways of God, we should note that the ways of God is a strategy of God that serves for the achievement of God's goals, comprised of the adoption of our body through the redemption of Christ, through the cooperation of our faith with the faith of God. The essence of the strategy of God contained in the ways of God call to lead a person out of life that flows in the perishable body to life that flows in the imperishable body is comprised of the way of the Son of God out of the state of the earthly body into the state of the heavenly body. And where I go you know, and the way you know, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The Son of God in the dignity of the Son of Man, having fulfilled the path that God established from the earthly body into the heavenly body, passed on to his apostles the fulfillment of the path from the earthly body into the imperishable, coinciding with his heavenly body. So Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. According to these words, only apostles of Christ are given a revelation about the ways of the Lord as far as the strategy of defense of the promise that dwells in our heart and is comprised of the adoption of our bodies to the redemption of Christ. And the essence of this strategy is comprised of the choice of means of protection, the choice of methods of protection, and in choosing a detailed protection plan. We cannot choose the means and methods at our own discretion and also develop a plan in accordance with the capabilities of our own intellect. 
It would not be the building of strongholds against envy inherited by us from the sinful life of our fathers, in which we, through total sanctification, pursuing the goal of total dedication, are called to bind the actions of the old man with his deeds and abolish his power, but rather the preservation of the strongholds of envy and arrogance. To build strongholds against inherited envy in the face of the old man with his deeds, God offered us in Scripture and in the Holy Spirit his means, his ways, and his plan. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I will also keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem. These names are written on the foreheads of those who meditate on what is heavenly, those who have the seal of God. Here it talks about the seal of God. The new Jerusalem which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The methods show us how we should use the truths we have to keep in our hearts the promise of the adoption of our body through the redemption of Christ. The essence of the method given to us is that we confess not those realities that are not in our heart in which we can fully answer the truth, but only those realities that abide in our hearts in the dignity of the faith of God. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. The plan tells us at what time and in what sequence we should use the means and methods we have to keep in our hearts the promise which consists in the adoption of our body through the redemption of Christ. Considering that our time has come to an end, I think the remainder of this service, the uh, uh, remainder of this sermon, I unveil the strategy a little bit greater, the method, the means, and the plan. I will leave uh, for our the leaders of our cell groups, and those who are interested in this will come to cell group and they're going to hear, and they're going to meditate. Because when we, again, meditate, when we chew what we have heard, only then is it affirmed in our hearts. If you want to affirm the word that you hear in church, you can affirm it only in cell group services that were created according to Revelation of the Holy Spirit, not because I followed somebody, but they were created according to Revelation of the Holy Spirit in order to affirm that word of God which you have heard in church. And in cell groups, when you go over this word, it is going to be affirmed. There is going to be the fertilization that occurs, and it is going to grow in your heart. That's why do not ignore do not ignore these services. They are just as important as this service. Amen. May we bend our knees to whom it is impossible, our heads, and we will pray and thank God for that word that we were able to hear today. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I again and again with your saints thank you. I thank you for the this word that you have blessed for this for this place, for your church, for your salvation, 
that you give us upon this place in the dignity of the kingdom of heaven. I thank you that you have implemented the kingdom of heaven and the seed of your preached word and that it has its root system in us and that it grows in us in the dignity of the tree of life that brings the fruit of righteousness. May your saints be blessed before your countenance. May every bitterness, resentment be destroyed, every envy, every lust, every dependence on some kind of sin upon this place in the bodies of your people. May they be freed from all kinds of fear that pursues them, from some kind of information that is received not from your source. All that they must fear is simply you. Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord, for He is good, and His name is good. Those who fear God will not face any lack and any goodness. They have no fear. May the Lord and Father be blessed of our Lord Jesus Christ in us and through us. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, for deliver us from the hand of the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now we will proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.